Chapter 20 of The Dark Other. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rebecca. The Dark Other by Stanley G. Weinbaum. Chapter 20 The Assignation. Pat was by no means as buoyant as she had been in the morning. She approached the appointed meeting place with a feeling of trepidation that all her arguments could not subdue. She surveyed the crowded walks of the park with relief. She felt confirmed in her assumption that nothing unpleasant could occur with so many onlookers, so she approached the bench with somewhat greater self-assurance than when she had left the house. She saw the seat with its lone occupant and hastened her steps. Nicholas Devine was sitting exactly as he had on that other occasion, chin cupped on his hands, eyes turned moodily towards the vast lake that coruscated now with the reflection of stars and many lights. As before, she moved close to his side before he looked up, but here the similarity of the two occasions vanished. Her fears were realized. She was looking into the red-gleaming eyes and expressionless features of his other self, the demon of Saturday evening. "'Sit down.' he said as a sardonic half-smile twisted his lips. Aren't you pleased? Aren't you thrilled to the very core of your being? Pat stood irresolute. She controlled an impulse to break into sudden, abandoned flight. The imminence of the crowded walks again reassured her, and she seated herself gingerly on the extreme edge of the bench, staring at her companion with coolly inimical eyes. He returned her gaze with features as immobile as carven stone. Only his red eyes gave evidence of the obscene, uncanny life behind the mask. Well, said Pat in as frigid a voice as she could muster. Yep, said the other surveying her. You are quite as I recalled you. Very pretty, almost beautiful, save for a certain irregularity in your features. Not unpleasant, however. His eyes traveled over her body. Automatically, she drew back, shrinking away from him. You have a seductive body, he continued. A most seductive body. I regret that circumstances prevented our full enjoyment of it. But that will come. Yes, that will come. Oh, said Pat faintly. It took all her determination to remain seated by the side of the horror. You were extremely attractive as I attired you Saturday, the other proceeded. His lips took on a curious, sensual leer. I could have done better with more time. I would have stripped you somewhat more completely. Everything, I think, except your legs. I am pleased by the sight of your long, straight, silk-clad legs, and should perhaps have received some pleasure by running those hands along them scratching at proper intervals for the aesthetic effect of blood. But that, too, will come. The girl sprang erect, gasping in speechless and outraged anger. She turned abruptly. Nothing remained of her determination now. She felt only an urge to escape from the sneering tormentor who had lost in her mind all connection with her own Nicholas Devine. She took a sudden step. Sit down. She heard the tones of the entity behind her, flat, unchanged. Sit down, else I'll drag you here. 
She paused in sheer surprise, turning a startled face on the other. <laughs> you wouldn't dare, she said, amazed at the bald effrontery of the fret. You don't dare touch me here. The other laughed. Don't I? What have I to risk? He'll suffer for any deed of mine. You'll call for aid against me and only lose the hounds on him. Pat stared blankly at the evil face. She had no answer. For once, her ready tongue found no retort. Sit down, reiterated the other, and she dropped dazedly to her position on the bench. She turned dark, questioning eyes on him. Don't you see? He sneered. How weakening an influence is this love of yours? To protect him, you are obeying me. This is my authority over you. This body I share with him. She made no reply. She was making a desperate effort to lash her mind into activity, to formulate some means of combating this being who tortured her. It has weakened him, too, the other proceeded. This disturbed love of his has taken away the mastery which birth gave him, and his enfeeblement has given that mastery to me. He knows now the reason for his weakness. I tell it to him too late to harm me. Pat struggled for composure. The very presence of the cold demon tore at the roots of her self-control, and she suppressed a fierce desire to break into hysterical laughter. Ridiculous. Hopeless incomprehensible situation. She forced her quivering throat to husky speech. What? What are you? She stammered. Synapse. I'm a question of synapses, jeered the other. Simple. Very simple. Ask your friend, the doctor. I think, said the girl, a measure of control returning to her voice, that you're a devil. You're some sort of fiend that has managed to attach itself to Nick, and you're not human. That's what I think. Think what you please, said the other. We're wasting time here, he said abruptly. Come. W where? Pat was startled. She felt the recurrence of fright. No matter where, come. I won't. Why do you want me? To complete the business of Saturday night, he said. Your lips have healed. They bleed no longer, but that is easy to remedy. Come. I won't, exclaimed the girl in sudden panic. I won't. She moved as if to rise. You forget, intoned the being beside her. You forget the authority vested in me by virtue of this love of yours. Let me convince you. He stretched forth a thin hand. Move, and you condemn your sweetheart to the punishment you threaten me. He seized her arm, pinching the flesh brutally, his nails breaking the smooth skin. Pat felt her face turn ashy pale. She closed her eyes and bit her nearly healed lips at the excruciating pain. But she made not the slightest sound nor the faintest movement. She simply sat and suffered. You see? sneered the other, releasing her. Thank my kindly nature that I marked your arm instead of your face. Shall we go? A scarcely audible whimper of pain came from the girl's lips. She sat palled and unmoving, with her eyes still closed. No, she murmured faintly at last. No, I won't go with you. 
Shall I drag you? Yes. Drag me if you dare. His hand closed on her wrist. She felt herself jerked violently to her feet, so roughly that it wrenched her shoulder. A startled, frightened little cry broke from her lips, and then she closed them firmly at the sight of several bypassers turning curious eyes on them. I'll come, she murmured. The glimmering of an idea had risen in her chaotic mind. She followed him in grim, bitter silence across the clipped turf to the limit of the park. She recognized Nick's modest automobile standing in the line of cars along the street. Her companion, or captor, moved directly towards it, opened the door, and clambered in without a single backward glance. He turned about and watched her as she paused with one diminutive foot on the running board and rubbed her hand over her aching arm. Get in, he ordered coldly. She made no move. I want to know where you intend to take me. It doesn't matter. To a place where we can complete that unfinished experiment of ours. Aren't you happy at the prospect? Do you think, she said unsteadily, that I'd consent to that even to save Nick from disgrace and punishment? Do you think I'm fool enough for that? We'll soon see, he extended his hand. Scream. Fight. Struggle, he jeered. Call them down on your sweetheart. He had closed his hand on her wrist. She jerked it convulsively from his grasp. I'll bargain with you, she gasped. She needed a moment's respite to clarify a thought that had been growing in her mind. Bargain? What have you to offer? As much as you. Ah, but I have a fret. The fret to your sweetheart. And... I'm offering, too, the lure of that evil whose face so charmed you recently. Have you forgotten how nearly I won you to the worship of that principle? Have you forgotten the ecstasy of that pain? His terrible bloodshot eyes were approaching her face, and, strangely, the girl felt a curious recurrence of that illogical desire to yield that had swept over her on that disastrous night of Saturday. There had been an ecstasy. There had been a wild, ungodly, unhallowed pleasure in his blows, in the searing pain of his kisses on her lacerated lips. She realized vaguely that she was staring blankly, dazedly into the red eyes, and that somewhere within her, some insane brain cells were urging her to clamber into the seat beside him. She tore her eyes away. She rubbed her bruised shoulder, and the pain of her own touch restored her vanishing logical faculties. She returned her gaze to the face of the other, meeting his gaze now coolly. Nick, she said earnestly, as if calling him from a distance. Nick! There was, she fancied, the faintest gleam of concern apparent in the features opposite her. She continued. Nick! she repeated. You can hear me, honey. Come to the house as soon as you are able. Come tonight, or any time. I'll wait until you do. You'll come, honey. You must. She backed away from the car. The other made no move to halt her. She circled the vehicle and dashed recklessly across the street. From the safety of the opposite walk, she glanced back. The red-eyed visage was regarding her steadily through the glass of the window. End of chapter 20. Recording by Rebecca.